Welcome to His Hands, His Feet podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Camp. Today's episode is an interview with Marshall Lyles. Marshall serves as the Director of Training at the Center for Relational Care, a faith-based counseling center in Austin, Texas. Most of, of Marshall's clinical practice has focused on attachment trauma and its effect on family relationships. As he is nearing the completion of his Ph.D. in marriage and family therapy, writing and teaching take up most of his time. In addition to his professional life, Marshall and his wife are adoptive parents of two amazing teenagers. It's this combination, in my opinion, of professional and personal life that gives Marshall great insight that helps us as parents. The topic of our interview is how a parent's attachment style impacts our already wounded kids. Let me reemphasize, we're not talking about the attachment style of our kids, which is a common topic among families who have foster um, or adoptive children or kids that come from a um, trauma background. But instead, our, our conversation, my conversation with Marshall today is going to focus on the uh, attachment style of us as parents and what that brings to the relationship. I'm really looking forward to what Marshall uh, shares with us today. If you are accessing this podcast from the link in my book, you already know that this is an embedded link in a chapter entitled Paying Attention to What You Bring. With that, let's join the conversation. I invite you, Marshall, to say hello and say hi to everyone that's listening. Hi. It's good to speak with, with all of you, and I really appreciate the idea of this this podcast, Kenneth. I think it's it's a much-needed um uh, fill in the gap uh, sort of information for people who are both per- personally and professionally curious about um, how to navigate some of these tough topics. So well done for you. I'm really excited. Thank you very much, Marshall. Uh, I'm excited to, to be speaking with you today and it's good to get to know you even better. Um, so just to kind of start things off, what brought you to the study of attachment and trauma? Because I think you've shared with me before, you see a, a connection between those two I do and and you know that I've, I've come to understand that there's really a couple of ways to think about that there's um, the things that that I think brought me you know the point at which I felt like I started making some conscientious decisions but really life was was grooming me um, for the field a long time before any professional decisions came uh, I grew up in a very rural part of Texas up in the northeast corner where it's mostly farmland and, um, you know, very, very humble people. But there's a lot of struggle, um, Mm. a lot of poverty. And and our family really struggled off and on with with money and resources. And so I early on got to witness and um, be a part of even personally experiencing lots of the the typical kinds of, of trauma that um, now the the kids I work with um, are going through or have gone through. So there was a there was a personal element. A big a big part of that for me growing up was um, I was diagnosed really early as a child with muscular dystrophy. So I grew up, you know, with a, a medical issue that defined a large part mm-hmm. of how I felt safe connecting to people, and so. Even um, as I was in a supportive and caring environment, there was just this thing that made it uh, more difficult for me to find my way to 
to trust that anybody would ever fully be able to understand my experience in the world. Mm. And so I think that that combination of you know personal trauma uh, with um, coming to know my own attachment story over time, even before I had those words, started preparing me for where I was going to go. Um, in addition to that, my, my dad, about halfway through my childhood, my dad became a minister. So then I grew up you know, in a ministry family where you get the blessing and the heart that comes <laughs> with uh, <laughs> living in that environment and, and being a part of everyone else's trauma um, in a distance here. <laughs> That's right. No doubt. No doubt. Well, then I, you know, I, I started making some decisions um, with my career before I even understood what I was choosing. I, I went to grad school, became a counselor early in life, but I think God started orchestrating paths in that my internships were, you know, from medical hospitals to mm. a children's home to a residential treatment center for children. And so over and over again, I was just in these intensive locations where kids were going through trauma and as a result, having a harder time connecting to people and feeling safe with people. And so by the time I finally caught wind that God had been um, speaking some powerful messages, I, I started more specifically choosing my training and my study um, to, to try and become professionally knowledgeable about all that I was experiencing in the, the various parts of life. Hmm. Now that's good. It's really cool to see how God was preparing you for what you're doing today. Definitely. It is. And you know, it's funny because when you're in it, you don't see it. Yeah, no, and, you're right. And so um, specifically what, what you're doing now uh, when I understand that your your doctorate study is is in this area of attachment, is that correct? Yeah, my my PhD is in a marriage and family program, and my particular course of study and the research I'm I'm um, in the process of of creating right now is really focusing on adoptive parents and trying to um, develop a forum for which I hear and capture adoptive parent stories. And and listening for what are what are the themes, you know, what are the commonalities, not not just in the literal parts of their story, but in the emotional themes and the relational themes of of what they've um, been through ahead of adoption and and then after adoption. Right. Well, that's a whole nother subject right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just you know, I want to clarify for you know my readers and listeners is that you know we're not talking about right here in this conversation about the attachment style of our children that come to us, but we're talking about the attachment style of, of we as the parents. And, and so that's what you're studying, right? Is mm -hmm. what we bring to it. Yeah. So how would you, how would an adoptive parent know if there was a need for personal attachment healing? Um, you know, so, so here I am, I've, you know, I've had a son now that we adopted uh, when he was not quite two, and now he's almost six. And through this journey, I've recognized, you know, and what I've learned about attachment styles, I'm like going, you know what? I, I had what they would call an, in, is it insecure or unsecure? Insecure, Insecure yeah. attachment style. And I would say it was, you know, kind of what they would call a dismissive kind mm -hmm. of attachment style to where if I, you know, if I had conflict going on, I would kind of, run away from it or I would, you know, almost ignore it. So if you have an adoptive parent, again, the question being, 
you know, how would they know if they have a need for personal attachment healing? Right. And it's such a good question. And um, my short answer, which I'd be glad to unpack with you, is um, if you are a human, you have need for attachment healing. <laughs> 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 because uh, by, by right. definition, right. none of us have experienced perfect relationships. And um, security and attachment is, is something that exists on a spectrum. And so mm. I don't know that I've ever met or would ever meet someone who's experienced perfect attachment security. And so as a result, we always will be somewhere on the healing journey. And, and so we might as well be aware of it and be prepared uh, for what it would look like to get to that next level of healing, that next level of maturity, that next level of security. Um, otherwise, if, if we're not actively engaged in that journey, there's a, there's a good chance we're accidentally moving, moving backwards. So I, I, I think if we can embrace it, that, that there's no shame in saying mm. it's not because I'm flawed individually. It's because uh, humanity has built me to a place of I'm on the receiving and giving end of imperfection. Mm. And, and, and I just need to, to have some kind of hold on what that's looked like in my actual life, how it plays out in my relationships. Wow. For me, that's good to hear. I mean... I think I know knew that kind of innately, but just to hear that, you know, I'm not flawed um, and just saying, okay, you know, this is where I'm at and or this is where I've been. And this is, you know, am I going to, as you said, embrace it? That's good. And, you know, the thing is when, when we become an adoptive parent, where even if the children come in as, as infants, we, we are kind of saying yes to the idea of, of bringing in a kiddo that's going to already have a wound, you know, that's going to have some level of, of disappointment or mistrust or betrayal, some kind of experience in, in their in their in their life. And so what happens, I think, is that that wound that exists in them that they may not even have words for is going to be this triggering experience for any wounds mm -hmm. that we were unaware of. Yes. And so it, it's it's very, very understandable. If if we think of the fact that a growing up I was bitten by spiders over and over again, it would be understanding, uh, we would be understanding of the fact that me going into a jungle would put mm -hmm. me on high alert. Well, because we're human and we've grown up with imperfect parents and in an imperfect environment, and we have these relational wounds, when we then bring in a wounded child, that's going to be our jungle. It's just going to be looking for those wounds in us that need to be exposed so that we are more safe environment for the wound of the kid to show up. Um, so it, it's really um, a smart defense mechanism they have, but it feels so hard and burdensome sometimes mm -hmm. as parents. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say is um, pursuing healing in this area of attachment, increasing attachment security, doesn't always mean professional help. You know, if you're connected to a really great community, if you have some deep friendships, if you have a marriage that's always growing that some of that attachment healing can be happening in your everyday dynamic life. Um, but not all of us have all of what we need right. um, in, in that place. And so that's when, you know, talking to a professional might give you a season of help. Right. That's so good. That's so good. You know, that's one of the things I talk about is that it, or the purpose of my book is that so many times as a foster or, or an adoptive parent, 
we start experiencing aloneness or uh, failure, um, those kind of things, because of what we're talking about here is that we we bring these little guys in or older guy, you know, kids into our family, and wow, you know, we we think that we know how to help them, and then these things trigger some stuff, and or I've seen it over and over in my own relationship with my son, and so that's yeah. good, so good. Uh, you know, it's made me think of a question about what does it look like when you see a adoptive parent or a foster parent doing this well? What does that look like to you? And what does it look like to you when you see some red flags that maybe they need to pay attention to it more closely? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, that some of my um, favorite moments that I've ever been able to, to be a part of therapeutically aren't ones where parents have come in, you know, perfectly prepared and, and we were able to get right in. And so, some of my um, most rewarding and, and exciting moments have been a mom and or a dad coming in um, and saying, we don't know where to go, but there's mm. this humility and this curiosity and this willingness to to be open within themselves and to get to do some deep parent work mm-hmm. uh, before we even get to the family mm-hmm. fam- family work. And I, I have found that that, that dynamic um, opens up um, possibilities to work with the kid um, in, in just these profound ways. One's mm-hmm. coming, one comes to mind right, right now of this dad who had done some just amazing personal work about coming to awareness of ways that his childhood had impacted him and, and, and how that was then in turn invisibly um, becoming a part of his parenting. And as he became aware of it, he hadn't even done this really egregious thing to his child, but he started off the very first moment when we actually did a family session was him offering a confession Wow. In total humility to his kid about a pattern of emotional distance. And and he didn't make excuses. He didn't in that moment need his kid to understand why he did it all. Right. Um, that, that he had worked through that and gotten to some self-forgiveness so that he could just offer the gift of a confession to his kiddo and say, I want to make sure this is a safe place for you. And I, I've noticed that sometimes mm-hmm. when things have been hard for you, I've been too quick to advise. I've been too quick to dismiss. And that's probably left you feeling um, really misunderstood and and sad and scared. And it breaks my heart that I would have done that. It breaks my heart that I would have made you feel unsafe even a little bit when with me. And to watch how quickly then the, the work, even accessing, um, this kid had some traumas that needed to be worked through. The ability to access and work through the traumas in the presence of a humble dad was game changing. Wow. Uh, and so I, I think a good, a good humble parent covers a multitude oh. of future. <laughs> yes, I agree so much. You know, I, I make a ton of mistakes in parenting my son, but that definitely gives me lots and lots of opportunities for that. I, you know, my son said to me just this morning, I mean, it couldn't have been a few minutes before I started doing this podcast and he looked at me and he said, how come at the end of this conversation, I feel so discouraged. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I think I did that. 
Um, and so, yeah, we had to have a moment of me owning yeah. that I had my tone and I was being rushed and I did not mm. consider what it was sounding like to him. And I mean, we, we're going to have almost daily opportunities for humility, aren't we? Oh, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that's a great, great example. Um, Do you, go ahead. I would, I would even say that, that that's true for my own. I mean, the, as far as what success can look like, mm-hmm. I, I have to be really careful not to try and judge parenting success on the behavior of my kids. Mm-hmm. That, that really starts to put a pressure on them and it starts to influence what I'm looking at in them. Instead of you know being connected to their heart, I'm watching for this output that I've arbitrarily designed would decided would mean that that something's gone well, uh, and so I really have to, in order to assure success, I have to make sure I'm defining success well in my parenting. That I'm I'm raising a kid for the long term who understands that he and she both both my kids um, that they would have a sense of how loved they are, that they would believe that they're they're worth um, being cared for, that they're capable of giving care, that they belong when they're with me. And if, if I'm doing that well, then there's a long-term success of them exhibiting a di- identity mm-hmm. that's rooted in competence, but it didn't start with competence. And so I, I think even talking about success is important for me to continue to have a, a long-term filter and not a short-term immediate I need some parenting relief. Show me a good behavior sort right. of measure. Oh yeah, that's good. And it, it just reminds me of that that phrase of you know paying attention to what you need to be paying attention to. And so often I get hung up in what you just described. I, I start paying attention to that output, as you put it, or a certain behavior that I would like my son to have, and that's what I pay attention to, and it that really affects how I interact with him and yeah instead of paying attention to okay how how am I interacting with him and that's that's good yeah because every behavior is inspired by a quality right that there's a, mm. a character trait that there's an emotional state and that, that that it comes from that it emanates from so if I if I just make it my goal to cultivate those states and traits then then you know I can I can relax a bit and trust that in, in the end it's gonna mm-hmm. come out. But it's it's just I mean we talk about it so casually. It's just so hard right. to stay connected to that and to have our own trust in the right. process that this is really how it it works out. And so that's where my faith comes back in. And mm-hmm. I I just have these moments of realizing how patient God has been in parenting me. Mm-hmm. That you know He has a long term picture with me. Uh, that there's nothing that my kid is going to say or do that I haven't done to him. Right. And if I can stay connected to how I've been parented spiritually, then I, I, I can have access to a never ending well of, of that grace that, that's required. Uh, that's good. Yeah. I don't know if you have a response to this, but do you ever see, or what are some red flags that you see maybe in, in some of us parents as we, you know, things that, maybe we can pay attention to that like, okay, I, I really need to get back to paying attention to what, how I'm attaching to my child, you know, what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I, I do think, and again, they, um, it's not just informed by 
what I've read or what I've studied, uh, you know, there's an equal mix in, in the coming statements about just my own journey and what I've, what right. flags I've noticed in me. Uh, on the, on the one hand, um, the way that I'm telling myself my own story is often a red flag for me. If, if I hear myself or I, I witness another parent who's describing their whole childhood experience, for example, as perfect, as not having any flaws, that everything was idyllic, then then I get concerned that not not indeed that, that they aren't grateful. Be grateful for what you had, but are you just as capable of seeing the hard that's happened in your life as you are glossing over and, and only um, seeing the good? Because it's that equal recognition um, that allows us to start to have some of the internalized coping skills to pass on to our kids. So a red flag for me is, is how we're telling our own story to ourselves as parents. Yeah. Um, and then another one then becomes in, in how we're interacting in our families in the present. You know, if I'm, if I'm, I'm kind of having a, a critical spirit, even, mm-hmm. even if I'm not saying that, if it's just shown up in me, if right. I'm feeling how easy it is to jump to judgment and accusation. And for me, what happens is I start to think about how a certain behavior in a kid is affecting me um, uh, before I get to how hard it must be for them to have that behavior or to have that struggle. Um, that's a red flag that some problematic parenting is probably about to jump forth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Yeah. Uh, if anybody listening is like me, I, as you were talking, I'm, I'm just I'm seeing all these pictures come to mind where <laughs> I was doing some of that, you know, and reacting instead of responding. Yeah, and you know, another another red flag, um, as as backwards as it sounds from what I just said, we need to see the heart in our own story so that we can heal it and and we can have that internalized healing to pass on to our kids. But we also really need to be capable of seeing the strengths in our children. And I think that's a really big red flag in our parenting and in our um, relationship development. If, if we as parents are struggling naming what's good, naming what skills hmm. our kids have developed, even if it's a skill that's creating them problems, if we can start to see it as adaptive and being thankful for that part of them as showing up to protect them in a season where they may not have had protection. Yeah. If we can start to reframe those things as resources they developed, um, it moves it from a red flag to an opportunity hmm. um, that, that, that's very invisible. But that shift is felt in a relational realm. Right. No, thank you for sharing that. So just going to touch on one other question here. It, you know, you at the, right at the beginning here, you were talking about your, your childhood and some of the challenges of just y'all's environment and your, your health and things. Are there some things that you wish you would have known earlier in life like that that might have impacted your professional and personal work in attachment? I do. I wish that, um, and this would be my, my desire for everyone, is that being trauma-informed wasn't just something reserved for mental health professionals, that mm. it wouldn't be the secret set of knowledge um, that was um, hidden away, that it just became easily digested by the masses. Um, because I, I would have really liked for someone to help me understand 
the nature of how this illness that showed up in me as a little kid was generational too. You know, mm. it had been an illness passed down in my family and it wasn't just the illness, it was the trauma and the meaning that, you know, those ahead of me had made a, um, of it that I inherited. Right. And, and that would have just been so transformative for me in my, my young adulthood to, to be able to understand the intergenerational nature of trauma as I was realizing I wasn't just trying to overcome this thing that landed in me, but I was really trying to understand it in the context of all that I had come from. Mm-hmm. And, and even though my children aren't biologically mine, I have the opportunity of passing both the hard and the resilient on to them. Sure. Um, and so I, I, I wish that more about trauma knowledge um, had been available even growing up and even early in my career. I think it would have changed um, how I would have worked with people the first five to ten years of, mm. of doing this job. You bet. We don't have the thought that even though our, our main audience is foster and adoptive parents and having kids that come from that kind of trauma background, you know, what you were, have been describing in your own life is that you, know, you experienced medical trauma and how that is you know, it's one of the risk factors, right, for kids. Mm-hmm. And so you know, we may have some that are listening that, it's their own biological children, but there's been medical trauma that's been impacting them and understanding, like you said, being just trauma informed. Yeah, I like the way you put that, that, you know, the masses would really understand how trauma impacts our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't that just change the nature of our world and how we care for each other? Yes. Oh, yes, definitely. Well, is there um, any last kind of parting thoughts as far as, again, how, you know, parents, under, uh, us understanding our own attachment styles and, and how that relates to trauma? Is there any last yeah. thought you have on that? Yeah, I think just um, remembering that you can stay curious about yourselves and about your kids um, with compassion, that that curiosity uh, really doesn't have to, and, and my hope wouldn't lead to shame. Hmm. Um, and that, that would be um, something to notice in yourself is if it's hard for you to resonate on your, your story, on your kid's story without going to a place of self-judgment, then you deserve to get into a caring community where you can receive um, an environment of having your own needs met before you place the expectation on yourself to be really meeting the needs of another well. And so uh, just with compassionate curiosity. I think about these things. I, I hope that's transmitted to everybody I come in contact with. And I think that it's part of what this podcast um, that, that you're doing, Kenny, will, will do for people. It's they, they will have a place to come and listen and to resonate and to hear people speak with a, a curious heart uh, about the things that they're going through in everyday life. So again, it's with gratitude um, that I speak to you, even Kenny, about how you're trying to um, spread the word and, and to let people know it's okay to think about these things and it's okay that it leads you to increase connection. And if it's moving you away from people, notice that too, because there's a sign of some healing you deserve. Right. No, I appreciate that very much. And um, I like that term, that compassionate curiosity about our own story. That, that's very good. Marshall, I appreciate your time. I know you're very busy, There's a lot of stuff going on in your life and uh, so again, I, I appreciate you taking the time to share your heart with us, your your knowledge, your expertise, your experience, all of it wrapped up. And um, 
Yeah, I don't want to leave without giving you the opportunity if there's something that you want to let our listeners know about that, that you're involved with or that you want to let them know about. Uh, I'd love to let you have that opportunity. If not, um, you know, we'll, we'll wrap things up. Well, the only thing that I would direct people to is um, at our center, we have a website that's relationalcare.org. If you're ever interested in trainings that might be happening and, and, and opportunities, you can go check out um, that. And then I have um, a website that's just my name, marshalliles.com. Um, if you want to know more about um, the things that I'm involved in. So not really a product to plug, just more of an invitation for if there's um, anything that I'm already out there doing that, that anybody would like to plug into that, that would be supportive, uh, feel free to check it out. Oh, that's great. I'm glad you shared that. As you well know, you know, our family has benefited from both you personally and also others on staff at, at, uh, at the uh, Center for Relational Care. So we fully support um, what you guys are doing and appreciate it. So again, uh, thank you, Marshall. And uh, that wraps up today's episode of His Hands, His Feet. And thank you for joining us. I truly appreciate Marshall taking time to um, do this interview with me. His, um, you know, he used a phrase, compassionate curiosity about our own story. And just that term, compassionate, I think describes Marshall. You can just hear it and feel it richly in his voice. And I, um, it makes me feel um, very safe with him. And I can see where those who maybe meet with him would feel that very quickly. Hopefully you felt that way as, as you listened to this conversation. And a couple of nuggets that I picked up here was that all of us are somewhere on the spectrum of healing when it comes to attachment. If the whole idea or subject of uh, attachment styles is new to you, I really do encourage you to learn more about uh, the attachment styles that, that somewhere you have, you know, somewhere on that spectrum you are. And also as your child is as well. It's helped me in all my relationships, not only with my son. And then another nugget that I picked up is when we bring a wounded child into our home, we bring them into contact with our own wounds. And I am so aware of that, uh, painfully at times. But hopefully this gives you some courage along with um, insight and knowledge uh, to uh, have that compassionate curiosity about your own story, as Marshall talked about. If you would like to uh, access access uh, this podcast on my website, you can go straight to it. Also, I'll have just some notes from the from the uh, conversation, along with you know a couple of the links that Marshall referred to. All you need to do is type in www.kennethacamp.com slash session five and that will take you straight to the page where this uh, episode is found on my website along with links and notes from from this episode would you do me one favor if this episode uh, resonates with you uh, would you go to itunes if you haven't already and subscribe to his hands his feet podcast and do a rate and review of the podcast uh, just an honest rate and review that will bring awareness to this podcast and also 
while you're at it, just go ahead and share it with your friends. That would mean so much to me. Thank you again for joining me here at His Hands, His Feet.